Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Let me ask a question uh, this way. How good is your memory? Yeah, it's very like it. It seems as we get older, we tend to uh, forget it a lot more, right? It's like when you're a kid, like you know your kids, like your kids won't forget anything. You can tell them, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to the candy store on Friday, right? And you might be hoping that they forget, but all they're gonna remind you, right? Like kids have this amazing uh, ability to be just sponges, right? They'll they'll take in information and they'll take in things and, and they can just soak it in. And it's, I don't know if it's because experience as we get older, we, we go through things, or, or what it is that we, we we tend to lose that ability to remember things, right? I used to be able to remember all kinds of things. Now I've got post-it notes all over my desk. I've got some do lists. If it's not written down, I'm going to forget it. I'm not going to do it. I'll email myself. Uh, you know, like, hey, do this this week, right? But if it's not written down, and I'm thank the Lord for my wife because she'll always remind me uh, of things that, that need to be done. But, but if it's not written down, like, I'm going to forget them. But we have this, uh, this tendency as we get older. Uh, to forget. It's not just getting old things. It's just, it's all of us as we as we get older, for some reason, we tend to forget things. You know what I really hate? Is when I'm doing something, and, and then I, I turn to do something else, and I completely forget what I'm doing. Anybody, anybody ever do that? I hate doing that. It frustrates me. It's like, it's like everything just goes blank. I'm like, I, what was I doing? Like, you know, it's like it's like your brain is like the, the, the screen on Facebook with the little circle thing, you know, that, that it's just loading, right? You know? It, it's like just nothing is clicking. It's just blank. It's like complete nothing, right? I hate that. That is the most frustrating thing uh, to me. And then I'll just say, all right, well, it's just gone. And then I'll go do something else, and boom, it just comes back. I, I, it's really, I, I hate it. I don't like it at all. Maybe it's just a reminder that I'm just getting older. I don't know, but uh, then I don't like it either Humans have an amazing propensity to forget things. Think about today. Think about what is in front of us all the time with technology. Uh, many of us are behind a screen, whether it's at work on a computer, because a lot of things have transitioned over to that, or, or it's just simply we've all got these uh, smartphones, they call them, but I don't know how smart they really are, or they're making us smarter, I don't know. But, but we have all these things, and because of this digitalized world that we have, we're losing our ability to remember things, right? Because of, of the technology. Uh, in, in fact, guess what? You've got the attention span of a goldfish now. I read, Google it. Like I said, actually, you've got the attention span less than a goldfish. Because studies would say that a goldfish has an attention span of about nine seconds. Like, think about a goldfish. Swimming around and around, the same thing. Just swimming around, doing the same thing all day, has the attention span of nine seconds. Uh, Microsoft did a study, and it Obviously not everybody in this case. There's certainly exceptions to the rule, but, but their study suggested that humans have come to have an attention span of about eight seconds. You, you have an attention span less than a goldfish. <laughs> that makes you feel real special, doesn't it? You're going to leave today, you're going to talk later on about how great service was, but hold on, Pastor said I have an attention span less than a goldfish. Yeah, it's true. But think about it. Just, just look around you. Look around. Uh, go people watch. I love people watch. It's like, why do we need TV? You can just go somewhere and just sit down and just watch people, and it's pure entertainment. 
But if you watch people now, and, and we all do this, like you can sit there and, and maybe there's like an awkward silence, no one's talking, and then it's like we forget what to do. It's like, and then immediately we go in our pocket, pull out our phone. How many of you seen that? We, we, we just, that's just the world we live in. We all do it. It's like, it's like no one's talking, like kind of awkward silence, like I don't know what to do with the hands. And, and so immediately the phone goes out. And we start typing Facebook, Instagram, checking emails, something because we don't like sitting there, sitting still, not knowing what to do. Many of us have come to do that. While technology is a wonderful thing, right? It's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. It's, it's been able to, to help us do a lot of different things in this world today. Uh, it has drastically affected the way that we do relationships, right? We've been in this series on relationships the past uh, couple weeks. And, and today we're going to talk about um, the fact that there's this paradox that's going on in the world today. We have the ability to be connected now more than ever, yet many people are lonelier than ever. It's this, it's this crazy thing that's going on. We have all these abilities uh, to connect, to instantly connect with people uh, across the country, across the world even. Yet in the ability to connect more, we're lonelier than ever. Loneliness and being alone are not the same thing, but they're both on the rise. We meet fewer people. We gather together less. I mean, and if anything shows like 2020, even I mean, people are really experiencing that now more than ever because of, of the pandemic and people were staying home more and it's just, it's just caused a, uh, uh, that to be even greater. Our connection, right? America is increasingly a lonely nation. The proportion of American adults who say they are lonely has increased from 20% to 40% since the 1980s. Roughly 43 million adults over the age of 45 are estimated to suffer from chronic illness. There's all these things that have shown, studies that have shown that people are more lonely now than ever. So what has happened is... Uh, in the in the workplace and in the medical field now we're we're we're, um, we're hiring out and we see that that world of with psychologists and, and, and counselors and things like that that field that that career field has become in greater need because more people are are, are in need of that we've outsourced our our need to care for one another really this is what has happened as of 2010 the country had 77,000 clinical psychologists. 192,000 clinical social workers, 40,000 non-clinical social workers, 50,000 marriage and family therapists, 105,000 mental health counselors, 220,000 substance abuse counselors, 17,000 nurse, nurse uh, psychotherapists, 30,000 life coaches, right? So, and most of these aren't like psychiatric diagnosis. Like, it's just the fact that people are coming to these professionals now with regular problems. Because we've lost the ability to connect with each other. People are now more lonely than ever. We've outsourced the work of everyday caring. The internet, while it's meant to connect us more, it's actually, uh, it's actually substituted real relationships with online relationships. The term friend actually has changed. It's evolving. Right? The average adult Facebook user has 328 friends. Right? The average American has only two close friends. 25% say no close friends. There's plenty of online activity going on, but more limited personal intimacy. 
what has happened is we become addicted to immediate affirmation, right? Immediate, like, checking, oh, did someone like my post? Oh, no one's commenting, what's going on? No one shared my, my dog that I posted yesterday or whatever, you know? Hey, I, I put a really good meal from a restaurant I went to. No one's, no one's liking that. What's the, what's the... But, but when it does happen, when we do get the likes, when we do get the comments, it, it, it creates this affirmation. And what it's doing is it's, it's signaling to our brain and, 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 and all this. And so the feel-good hormone dopamine is released, and now we crave it. Now we crave the likes. Now we crave the, the comments. Now we crave the, the shares. And so it's created this false sense of affirmation in our life. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but what it's done is it's disconnected us without us knowing it's disconnected us. Created deferred loneliness. People are more lonely now than ever. But God didn't create you to be lonely. He created us to have relationships with each other, relationships with Him. But chances are there's some of you in the room right now, maybe you're watching online today, maybe you're feeling lonely. Maybe you even have people in your life and you still feel lonely. Maybe in a crowded room, you often feel lonely. But God didn't create you to be lonely. God doesn't want us to be lonely. He wants us to have real uh, friendships. He created us to never feel lonely or be depressed. He created us for community and for connection. But what we've learned today is that we've learned how to disconnect. Gotta learn how to connect, how to connect with God and how to connect with each other. So as we continue this series today, uh, we're gonna talk about how disconnecting is a relation slip. We've got to learn how to connect. We've got to learn how to how to how to practice and, and and use the power in presence. Not like oh cool we're in presence. No, not like that kind of presence. I'm talking about being present, being present with each other. And building those meaningful relationships. So while we're, while disconnecting is a relationship slip, connection, it gives us purpose and meaning to our lives. Because God created us for connection, for community, for relationships. So in order to see all that, I want you to turn to Genesis. we got to go back to the beginning when God created man. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 18. And then we're also going to jump up to chapter 3 and look at verse 6 there. As you're turning there, let me give you a little background because maybe you're not familiar with, with Genesis so much. Uh, maybe you have heard about it, but you don't know it like in depth. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So if you're looking through your Bible, whether on your phone or, or, or device, or maybe you've got the paperback, we've got some for you in the seat back if you don't have one with you today. Um, especially if you know Spanish, because we like that. We've got Spanish in English right there. Boom. Got to take care of it. But uh, it's the first book of the Bible. Really easy to find. It's Genesis. Probably the most famous book, because it has the account of creation, how the world began, how humans began, it's our history, right? It's generally believed that Moses wrote this, as, as, as we see uh, Moses, many of you know the Charlton Heston Moses, you know, from the movie Ten Commandments, right? But as Moses has this encounter with God, and, and we see all the exodus play out, the, the rescuing the Israelites from Egypt, and, and their trek through the wilderness, and, and all that, um, you know, some point, God wanted Moses to write down, hey, I want you to record this. I want you to, want you to have this so that people know the record of the history of humanity. But here, here in Genesis chapter 2, if you have it now, we'll start in verse 18 and read in verse 25. And then after that, we'll skip up to chapter 3, uh, verse 6. 
But it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So right there, we see there's this need for connection, this need for relationship. He says, I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them, brought them to the man to see when he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. Some of the names Adam gave are a little like skeptical of, because I think he could do better, but that's just my opinion. Verse 20. I don't know how you read the Bible, but that's the kind of stuff that goes to my Verse 20. So the man gave uh, names all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper, uh, helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This now, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they both um, and they both become one flesh. And Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Come up, Genesis chapter 3. I, I, I know y'all want to pass it all dignified, but I just can't do it, alright? That's not me. Genesis chapter 3. Y'all know you were thinking the same thing, let's be honest. Genesis chapter 3, starting verse 6, going through 11. A lot kind of taking place here in between when God created this helper for Adam, and now this moment we're about to jump into verse uh, 6 here, chapter 3. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food pleasing to the eye, also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, I, I praise you today. Thank you for your presence here in this room. And God, as we dive into your word today, I pray that, that it opens our eyes. Lord, if there's those here today that are lonely, God, that they would realize that you have been there every step of the way. That, that, that you want a relationship with them, that they don't have to be lonely, that God, they can connect with you and have that relationship with you, and your word says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So God, we can, we can have that connection with you, but then also you created us to have relationships, to connect with one another, and God, that's valuable, it's important, and we don't have to be lonely in this world. That we can do relationships. And, and, and as messy as they are sometimes, God, they are valuable. And when we do have relationships, when we are connecting with people, God, we, we, are, we are carrying out your purpose for us. You created us to be relational. So, God, speak to us today. Change our hearts and minds, God. Draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Excuse me. You were created to live in community. You're like, yeah, I know, I live subdivision down the road. No, 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 that's not what I mean when I say community. I mean in, 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 in deep, intimate uh, relationships, doing life together with people. We, that's something we value here in our church, that when we, we gather together, we don't just come in and worship God on Sunday, but we do life together throughout the week 
Um, that, that's modeled for us in the early church. They, they, that was their life. It wasn't just a, a church as a building. That was their life every single day. I, I am the church, and we do this uh, together. And that's what it's meant to be for us today. But you were created to live in community with God and with others. In verse 18 that we read a minute ago, the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God looked at everything he had created, right? He had created all, all the, the plants and the animals, the, the, the land and the sea and the sky and the sun and the moon and the stars and all, all these things. He created all these things. And, and then he puts man right in the middle of it, right in an environment. God created the perfect environment for man to survive. In, his, in God's presence, in his presence, and God providing everything that they had need of, right? But still, in the midst of all that, God looks down and says, hold up, something's missing. I know I created all this, and I said it was good, I know I created man, and I said it was good, but, but there's, something, there's something still off, there's something still missing, and God says, no, I, it's not good for man to be alone. I mean, think about it. God, uh, God and Adam, they had this crazy relationship. They, they walked together, which honestly, we're supposed to still have that kind of relationship today. God wants you to walk with them every single day, wherever that you go. Or so. and like, nothing's changed, especially because Jesus has come in and bridged that gap because of sin for us. Now, now we have that opportunity to do the same thing that Adam did. Unfortunately, we don't just get to be in a garden all day. We've got to go to work and all these other things. But, but God has designed us to do that as well, to walk with Him. Each and every day. But Adam is, is walking with God all day, every day. Yeah, animals. Right? Yeah, animals. Beautiful nature, mountains and, and lakes and beaches. I'm sure he went fishing, y'all. Right? And, and, and all this, and yet still God's looking at this and saying, man, something's missing. You were created for connection. Connection with God, have a relationship with Him, and have a relationship with other people and be connected to others in a community with them. We have to learn the power in presence, in being present. Because a lot we've learned to disconnect. We've learned to be in a room with people but not really connected. Like you, you can see this on uh, Haley and I, we went out to eat last uh, Saturday night, kind of like a pre-Valentine's Day kind of thing. We checked out this new spot downtown here in Plant City and, and we're there eating and this family sat down next to us. Two kids, mom, dad, no one's really talking. I'm not catching on a phone line because I people watch all the time. And that's not a creepy thing, okay? So don't judge. That's just what I do. Right? And, and I'm catching on a phone on my eye, and, and no one's really talking. Dad's on his phone, and it's just, it's just quiet. It was kind of awkward, almost. And I, don't know, I was just thinking in my mind, like, man, that's sad. You know, they can, they can be this family, and they're trying to go out and have a, a nice evening out, but there's nothing... No connection that's going on. Right? No connection that's going on. We've come to, to do that. Right? God's created so, so check God models for us the power in presence, right? Why? Because God is what? Our very present help at time of need. God is omnipresent, right? That's his attribute. That's one of the things that's in his nature. He's omnipresent everywhere, right? He will never leave you nor forsake you. God models for us. The power in his presence. There is nothing like his presence. We got to enjoy his presence this morning. And we can do that. It doesn't just have to happen right here in this kind of atmosphere, in this moment. You can enjoy that everywhere that you go. God wants you to uh, enjoy his presence and be in his presence. He created you for that. And he models for us 
the power in presence. But check it out. Even though he is present, oftentimes we disconnect from him. Whether it's through life experiences or whether it's just our own, let's be honest, our own laziness or um, just whatever, oftentimes we choose to disconnect from him. We get distracted. Right? We, all, we all got like spiritual ADD, right? Like something, you know, catches our attention and it's like all of a sudden we, we lose that. God's finished that relationship with him. In fact, not just him, but with others. Uh, but without a relationship with God, it's difficult to have a relationship with other people. It's difficult to serve others and to truly love others apart from Christ. Why? Because we default to ourselves. Naturally, we are selfish because of sin. So we need God to have real relationships. You were created on connection with God. And with people, you were designed for human interaction. I know that bums some of you out. You're like, I can do without it. You know? I get that. Everybody's got a different personality. But you were designed for it. You were designed for human interaction for uh, community. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. And God himself lives in community. He's a triune God. He's a communal God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? And we are made in his image. So if God needs community, certainly you do as well. You may have felt lonely, but guess what? As a believer, as someone who follows Christ, you have never been alone. God is there. God is there. I would dare say even God has been there even if you don't believe. You just haven't seen him yet. Right? You don't have to be alone. And God models for us how to be in community, right? The, the Trinity is constantly affirming and honoring and serving one another. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit always affirming and, and honoring one another. So the Trinity is the example of what perfect community looks like. So if you want to know how to have community, we want to know how to, how to do church uh, the right way and have community connection, you want to know how to have that in your life, we, we don't have to look any further than God himself. But let's be honest, like you're a mess when you're left to yourself. Let's be honest, right? Come on, we, we eat differently when it's just us. Like You're more susceptible to eat that whole bag of Doritos it's like, nobody around and tell me, otherwise. my wife ain't around and tell me, you better put that down. I'll eat this whole bag of Doritos and some cookies. But we might be more susceptible to eat differently when no one's around, right? Oh, we got ice cream in the fridge? Ain't nobody here to, the kids aren't, because you know as soon as you open a snack, those kids are going to want a snack too. And there's no kids around, that's why I wait till they go to bed. Yes, sir. Get me a bowl of cereal. I'm going to go get some of that ice cream in the freezer. Because we do that more by ourselves. Like, we're left. So mess by ourselves. We're more likely to watch something different than when we would other people around. Right? We might work out less if it's by ourselves, but if we have a workout partner or gym partner, like, we might, might be more accountable to, hey, I'm going to go and stick to this, right? Your language might change when you're by yourself. Because like, you know, if you're, if you're hammering something and, and you slip and it's going to happen and you hit that finger, if you're around someone, it's like, oh, son of a nutcracker. You know? <laughs> oh, fiddle sticks. You know? But if no one's around, you might be more susceptible to kind of slip up. And, you know, I'm not going to go there, but you know what I'm saying. You probably have done it before. It happens. <laughs> Your language might change when you're around other people. People don't always pray over their food when they're by themselves. 
do things differently. Here's the point. Some of you, you're trying to do life alone. I'd be watching online. Maybe this is taking home with you today. But some of you are trying to do life alone, and it doesn't work very well. It's not the way you were designed. We're better versions of ourselves when we're around people in community. When we start managing our image, intimacy is destroyed. We start trying to manage our image and, and, and who we think we are. Intimacy is destroyed. It happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were, before they disobeyed God, they were both naked and they felt no shame. Let it all hang out, right? They felt no shame. Everything, they were vulnerable. They were, everything was out in the open, like literally. And they felt no shame. Y'all, you can relax a little bit, okay? It's okay. But then, as they disobeyed God, their eyes were both open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for who themselves. They were open about everything. They felt no shame. There was no makeup, ladies. No wigs, no name brands. Laws and all. No shame. They were completely open and honest with each other. Today, we are managing our image now more than ever. Social media has created a bunch of fakes. Right? I'm not talking about just fake news. That's a whole other different topic. I'm talking about just a bunch. Because what do we all do? We put the best version of ourselves out for everybody to see, right? Well, when you're going to crop your picture, well, please, from this to belly up. Nothing more, but just get my head shot, please. You know? Get my good side. You put the filters on that you can do in certain apps. You might, you might go to a picture editing app and fix it up a little bit. Oh, I've got this clip right here. Let me just block that out. I want you guys to see that before we close. Come on. At your, at your gatherings with your family, you know, there may have been a, a big argument at Christmas dinner this year. You're not going to post that picture. Oh, look, that's, that's getting in there. No, we're going to put everybody with the matching PJs around the, the, the fireplace and the Christmas tree in the background, and it's all... Not everybody, you know. We're not going to put the best of out there. You're not going to put your kids having attention, temper tantrums. Like, oh, you're going to, oh man, this is my honor student right here, you know. <laughs> we put all the good things out there for everyone to see, right? We share pictures that make us look good. Like, no one ever says, hey, check out these stretch marks, yo. <laughs> hey, hey, look at, look at. Look at my booty do, you know, my belly sees how far my booty do now. Come on, dads, where we at? Come on. Come on, dads, you hit that 30 mark, yes. We'll make a t-shirt. Booty do. Now, now you guys are relaxing. I like it. Come on. I like it. And what we create is a community of half-truths through social media. Because we're, we're not really, it's not really us. That, that's just the, the best part. To, and it's not real. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not real. Like, now, not the posts are okay. Like, I'm not just saying it's wrong to post those things. But, but people don't get the real uh, picture, the real authentic. You know, it becomes a community of kind of truth. One which we get to manage and dictate. Right? The image that we portray to people. We share the pictures that we want that make us look good. We'll stand us up, we'll suck it in a little bit. 
Ladies, I don't want to get the leg thing in the picture. I don't get that. I don't understand why that happens. But maybe someone can help me with that. But we do that. And again, the, 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 the sharing goes on, on, on that. But it's an incomplete picture of real life. What we have come to uh, through all this is we have the power now to do relationships on our own terms. Okay? So we can... We can text someone back, or we cannot text someone back. It's totally up to us, right? You can like a picture if you want, or if you don't want to, you can. You can comment, you can follow. You can unfollow somebody, right? We're able to do relationships on our own terms. It's become a managed thing. We're putting fig leaves over the parts of us that we don't want others to see. We're psychologically predisposed to believe that everyone is better than you. So now it's now, now we play the comparison game with everybody. Right? And, and, and let's be honest, we can do that in a church world too. We can see other churches post and like, oh, you know. And, and we can play this comparison game. It's a trap. It's a trap for us. And it's become a broken community of half-truths. I have issues in my life that never show up on social media for everyone to see. You have issues in your life that never show up. And the clubs, and the bars, and even the church, they can easily be managed image of community. We, we, can do, we do that in the church all the time. Come on, you were yelling at your kids and your family and your wife and your, your husband all the way here, probably this morning. You get in the park and I'm like, you're going to straighten up. You're going to straighten up. going to this church. Don't you embarrass me today. I will embarrass you in front of God and everybody. I will take you to that altar. I will lay hands on you. And then we hit that door and it's like, how you doing there, brother? I'm too blessed to be stressed today. Come on. It is well with my soul. And no, it is not. Right? I was well with It is not well with our soul. Right? Come to manage our image. Who really knows you? The real you. Who really knows you? As soon as sin entered the world, we started managing our identities. We clothe ourselves to hide the parts we want people to see. And until you're fully known, you'll always have an element of loneliness. There will continue to be a disconnect with God and with others. But you were created to be fully known. You were created to be fully known by God and by others. Community is only as strong as its intimacy. Your relationship with God and others is only as strong as its intimacy. But intimacy is destroyed when our image is managed by us. Agony, they hid from the Lord and they hid from each other. They disconnected. Disconnected from God and disconnected from each other. But connection is the core need of all humanity. Connected to God connected to people, yet few find this connection, especially in today's world. But we're wired for it. We're wired for it. Church, we are wired for connection, but most have no strong friendships, and this causes pain and loneliness. So what's the greatest enemy of connection? The number one enemy of connection is shame. Shame says you're something wrong. Whatever the environment values, you feel you're not. 
We do this a lot of times in church. A lot, a lot of people uh, won't come to church because they're like, hey, if I come to church, I'm going to be judged. If I come to church, the roof is going to cave in because I got some stuff. I got some junk in the trunk and, like, it's not good and I, I don't want to. But it's all excuses. It's all, it's all the enemy in someone's head trying to keep them from. Because if anywhere, the church should be a place where you can come in and you can be vulnerable and you can get help and you can get healing because Jesus changes everything. But so many won't. They won't darken the doors of the church because of shame. Shame causes this intense fear that I'm going to be exposed as a fake. Guess what? Let's just clear the... We're all a bunch of fakes in this room. We all need Jesus. Every one of us. And that's why we're here. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because He is perfect. And He is what we need in our life today. So to come out of that shame, we've got to be willing to be vulnerable, right? For some of you, that creates attention. For some of you, it's like, ugh, I don't like that. And I get that. Authentic community happens when we're willing to be vulnerable. Uh, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They disconnect from God. They sin. They disobey God. In chapter 3, verse 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Right? They lost that vulnerability. They lost that intimacy with God and with each other. We were created to be holy known by God and each other, not to hide from each other, not to disconnect. But the thing is, and maybe you're struggling with this right now as I'm talking about this, it can be dangerous to be vulnerable. We, we, we can feel that way, that it's, it's dangerous. It's like, you know, if, if I'm vulnerable, that, that, that's scary, because like, then people are going to know stuff that's going on. People are going to know the real me, and I don't, I don't know if I want people to know that. What if they don't like me? What if they judge me? We can ask all these questions. And I get it. I get it. But vulnerability breaks the power of shame. Vulnerability, it breaks the power of shame in our life. And again, maybe you're feeling that today. Here's the deal. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I'm thankful that His grace and His mercies are new every day. That I am now forgiven. That He has changed my life and so many others in this room today. So if you're feeling that way and you're feeling, I don't think I can be vulnerable, I understand it. And Jesus understands it. You can get freedom here today. You don't have to be living in shame or in that guilt. You can be vulnerable. In order for genuine connection to happen, we have to let ourselves be truly seen. Authenticity, which is a core value of ours, I hear that everyone's welcome and no one's perfect, right? We're all seeking after God and who He is, and, and He is perfect. But, but authenticity brings intimacy. You can't love beyond your level or willingness to be potentially hurt. And that's the, that's the thing about it. It's like we don't want to get hurt. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be rejected. And I totally understand that. If there's those of you that you're hurt or unable to accept um, your flaws and, and all, then guess what? Those people that may judge you or may say this, they haven't earned the right to be in your life. But there's some people that aren't meant to be in our life. But vulnerability, we, we see it as an issue, but it's really a strength. 
True authenticity makes us incredibly vulnerable. That's why betrayal is so serious. It means you've taken the things that no one else knows about me and you've used it against me. Guess what will mess up things more than anything else? Gossip. Don't you dare take what someone may have confided in you to pray about or to work through about and use that as an opportunity to gossip. I can deal with addicts. I can deal with addiction. I can deal with all kinds of different things. I will not deal well with gossip. Just letting you know right now, we, we, it is not welcome here. It's a sin, and it will destroy what God is trying to do. It will quench the Holy Spirit when he's wanting to do in this place, and that's being about that here. Because the enemy will love to come in in shame. The enemy will love to come in and, and disrupt. That's what he does. He's a deceiver. He doesn't want you to get out of that shame. He doesn't want you to connect with, with God. He doesn't want you to connect with other people because if he can get you alone, then, then boom, he, he's got you trapped. Because that's what, what does the Bible say the enemy is? He's like a lion seeking whom he may uh, destroy. Right? What do lions do? They attack prey. That's the, the weakest and the lonely. They're out of the way from the pack. Right? And that's what the enemy does. We don't want that. You're lonely and you're disconnected. There's a gap. There's something that there's something missing. There, there's something that needs to be made whole. And the enemy, he would love to come in and mess everything up, right? He lives in the dark shadows. First John 1, 5 through 7 says this. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with who? With one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Now let me just do something right here. Right? We, obviously the word says that we should confess to one another out of, out of having accountability in our life, out of getting help. But the only one that can forgive us of our sin is Jesus. Right? Yes, we confess to one another our, our sins and say, hey, I have a struggle, I have an issue, I don't know what to do, and I'm just, I'm just seeking accountability, I'm just seeking some help, but the forgiveness of that is only found from Jesus. So, but why would we do, why would we confess our sins? Why would we ever say, again, this world we're living in, why would we ever come and say, hey, I screwed up. Hey, I, I, I messed up. Hey, I, I got issues. Why would we ever do that? Like, because that's just not the world that we live in today. But through this, the Bible said clearly we'll have fellowship with one another. We're able to come together and we're able to help each other through that. Because maybe, maybe some stuff you're struggling with is some things that I have struggled with, and, and God has given me victory. So hey, guess what? I, I, I know some things I can I can help you. I can walk on through some stuff. We can pray together. I can I can help you. We can go to God's word and we can we can work on this together. You don't have to do this alone. But yet many of us are doing it alone. We don't have to. God didn't create us to. Confession. Confessing our sins is something we see as punishment. But it's not. It's meant to be healing. To understand that when you do confess, if someone does confess to you, don't, don't take it as judgment. Just look at it as an opportunity for fellowship. Don't disconnect. Worship team, you guys can come up. 
So what we've tried to do is we've tried to create opportunities where people can have this intimacy, this vulnerability, uh, and this time to connect and to be honest and open with each other. We have life groups that meet throughout the year at different times. We just finished up a season of it, and, and we're working on when that next season of life groups will launch. Um, but that's a great opportunity to do life with people, to connect, and, and to be able to, to, to share in, in those moments. Um, uh, Midweek, mid our Wednesday night uh, service is, is created to do that. It's a smaller, uh, excuse me, a smaller group of people, and, and we can come in and, and we can we can walk through some of that stuff. And so we try to create um, uh, opportunities for us to have community and to be vulnerable. We've got women's ministry. We've got all these different groups that go on so that we can do that, where we can be naked, not literally, but we can be naked and not ashamed. Vulnerability. I don't want that word to get out. You know, there's other people claiming stuff. Intimacy doesn't happen in rows. It happens in groups. This is an atmosphere we're trying to create because we value that. Because we want people to get better. We want people to experience God and all that he has for them. We want people to connect with him, to connect with each other. Intimate community, it breaks the power of loneliness. We're better together. God made us for community. We all need it. You need to connect. You need to connect with God first and foremost, and we need to connect with each other. So the question for you today is this. Are you disconnected in any of those ways? Are you disconnected with God? Are you disconnected in this life from others? Your relationships, is, they're a disconnect. It's keeping you from thriving. Learning how to be present. We must learn the power in presence. 
There's a difference between praying for someone and praying with someone. I, and we do that a lot because we want to make people feel better. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm praying for you. But then we never do. And that doesn't really work. You know what I mean? Like, to pray for someone, you got to really pray for them. But a lot of times we just say that to make someone feel better. What if we actually pray for them? What if we actually spent some time before the Father and interceded for that person? What if we actually went to them and laid hands on them with the authority that we have in Jesus Christ and truly had faith and believed that God is going to intervene in their life? How much better do you think that would make things? Not just in their life, but in your relationship. What if we actually prayed for people? What if we actually practiced the power and presence? What if, what if we met up for lunch or coffee? Or everybody participated in life groups and we have them? What if we opened up our home or just out of the blue said, hey, I'm just going to invite so-and-so over. We're going to hang out. What does that look like for you? How, how, how can you be present? The next way that we can get real practical with this is when we are present, we have to learn to be engaged. Peter 4.8 says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. We know how to physically love a lot of times, but what about emotionally? Fully connected, fully engaged, right? Wherever you are, be all there. At home, at the restaurant, the kids' ball game. It's so easy to get a phone call, right? And the kid's like, Daddy, did you see me? Oh, yeah, I saw your kid. Good job. But you didn't really see them. I think a lot of times I, I, I've gotten really bad. I don't, I don't take a lot of pictures. I, I'm present in that moment. I don't, I don't need the picture. Like, I don't need that to post on whatever. I, I'm there. I don't want to miss the moment because I'm trying to get pictures. We have to not only be present, but when we are present, be engaged in the conversation. On vacation, we're supposed to be having family time. Like, put the emails away. Distractions away. It's sad we've got the 
we've got couples in bed and they're next to each other, but they're on their phones. And again, I'm, I'm stepping on my own toes today because we've done it. You ever texted across the, the house? Hey, what are you doing? Go over there, Alex. Go over there. People do that. Hey, uh, you know, kids are going to go to bed soon. Hey, you want to, uh, you know. Why, why, why do we do that? about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.